the Ghost Goal Podcast. As 2021 draws to a close, we've got a blockbuster weekend of new games for this new year of 2022. Arsenal will host Manchester City to get things kicked off Saturday at 7.30am, with a host of other interesting games over the weekend, before Chelsea hosts Liverpool on Sunday, and Manchester United host Wolves on Monday. I'm Alex, here with Javier, welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 338. Alex, you were being generous with the uh, a host of other interesting games. There aren't that many other interesting games in there. There's there's some real snoozers. Yeah, there's some well, real snoozers. The there's some real you know blowouts that are probably going to happen. Uh, not that many interesting games. If they happen at all. If they happen at all, I was about to say the, we always do these previews tentatively, and it is usually by now you would know if a game was going to get canceled or if it was at risk of getting canceled. There hasn't been any news on any of that on any of these games so far, but you never know when a new COVID outbreak is going to break out from day to day. So Chelsea had one like the day before their game. So I remember there was like it's just like yeah, tell me about it. You guys had no idea, and then just the next day, all these players were missing. It was like a day to night thing where I think it was like Friday. You thought all these players were going to play, and then the next day you didn't. So. Um, but like you said, Arsenal against Manchester City, Saturday, 7.30 a.m., you know, New Year's, the day after, you know, the New Year's Day, waking up at 7.30 to watch this, probably not going to drink very much, if at all. Very little on New Year's. You'll be, you'll be bed long before the ball drops, right? You got to be uh, nice and rested, ready for uh, kickoff at 7.30 a.m.? No, I'll be working, so... It'll be uh, a late nah. night, <laughs> yeah. but it's fine. It's fine. I'll make good money, you know, New Year's. Um, but anyway, Arsenal versus Manchester City. For the first time, I have hope, Alex. Pep Guardiola said in his press conference, he thinks this is the best Arsenal moment that Arsenal have been in four or five years. Now, is that because he's bigging yeah, that's, up? That's the kiss you know, of death on Yeah, the absolutely. I oh, I know about. it is. I know it is. But we have been excellent this, ho- this season at home. Since the small blip, blimp, blip, against blip. Crystal Palace earlier. B-L-I-P. Yeah, the 2-2 that we probably should have lost. Um, that's probably the only horrible home game. And then we had the Chelsea home game, but that was before we formed our full team. So this is a huge test for us. It's the best team in the league. They have won 10 straight games. I mean, the odds are against us. But this is our final game. We're going to have Thomas in the midfield for the next three weeks. After this, we're going to lose him. So it's going to be probably a pretty different looking Arsenal for the next two weeks after this. But for this game specifically, we'll probably have close to a full strength squad as far as I know. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what can happen here. I don't think we can beat them. I think that would be a miracle. But then again, Brentford only lost 1-0 to their full first team. I mean, that was... Their full team playing well and yeah, but what what is a full Manchester City team these days? You know, like unless you see like multiple academy players in it, it's a full no. Manchester but like this, they're yeah, exactly. They have their they have their full team and but right now Manchester City's playing a lot more games than Arsenal has played a lot has come coming in with a bunch of Champions League games, a bunch more mileage on a bunch of these players. Our our players are super fresh right now, especially these kids. Like they're going out and they're being able to press and 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 play at high tempo for 90 minutes right now the the combination of Odegaard Saka Smith Rowe if he if he plays from the start um or not 
you know, he's scored now in like five or six straight games. He hasn't, he hasn't, he doesn't stop scoring, but he's still, you know, isn't making it on the team. So the team is at a high, playing at a high level right now. And we're going to be at home in front of our fans where we've been amazing. So like, other than that one bad result that we had. So I'm going to say 2-2. I think that we can score goals on this Manchester City team. They're going to score goals on us. They always do. But I think we could come out with a draw here at home. It's hopeful. What what level of likelihood would you put that at? Because I, I can understand your optimism. I would say 40, 40% chance. I think what we'd ha- we have to get the first okay. goal. We have to get the first goal and, and get our team. get the. If we get the crowd behind us, we could even win the game. But it's just like we have to get the first goal. And we've we've done well, pretty well this season at starting games strongly. And this is going to be a very different team to the team that they played that they beat us five nil at the Etihad earlier in the season. You know, it's a completely different team. So I expect a different battle, and I expect us to not just crumble and lose five nil like we did the first time this season. So if if we yeah, lose, hopefully there's no Jaka red card. Exactly. If we lose, hopefully Rob Holding right. isn't playing. Hopefully Kolasinac isn't playing. Exactly. There's a whole bunch of differences from last time, right. but. There was no the Thomas. The consistent is that City are still, you know, just an absolute lethal attacking force. I don't even necessarily think it's going to be a huge Manchester City win. I just think it's going to be 2-0. Listen, like they just went to they just usual. went to Brentford and only won 1-0. I think Ar- Arsenal's a harder place to go than Brentford, so. Yeah, but it's not it's not as we're, simple as We're going to score other, on them. We're going to score on them. We're 100% going to score on them. They're not that good okay, defensively fine, and our and our attacking players like Bukayo Saka and Martinelli guys, are in such guys, good form your right now. Your press is good. Your, your, your press has been good, but your own uh, possession combined with the press, it's there's different levels to this game when it comes to playing against Manchester City. And you can't you can't do what you guys have been doing to teams when you don't have the ball. But the individual like, talent, just have yeah, the they're going to have the, the ball more. But the individual talent, when we actually do get the ball now, is going to be able to play the ball up the field. I think Odegaard's going to be the key, obviously, because he will not have the time on the ball that he's been having in the last few games, in the last in this run that he's been having. So I'm curious to see if he can perform at the highest level against the highest best players on the planet. So well, it's going. It's going this to be is like a this is a Champions League game. This ball. is this is the type of game where you you know you you talk about Arsenal players haven't played against the best players in the world. Well, they they are about to now. So you know this is this is going to be a, a a huge test for them. If they can push to the next level, and and I, I can see why you would say Arsenal would lose two nil. I don't fault you at all. And if we lose two nil, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's Manchester City. I'm not going to be just devastated because if we lost embarrassingly three or four nil, then I would. But as long as we don't get embarrassed, I'm not going to be you know too sad. But I do think we we have to at least score on them. You should change change the result to two one, Alex. Two one City. No, I'm sticking with two nil. All right, two two. We're getting a draw out of it. <laughs> But one thing we kind of we we never really got to, I think, because uh, we might have had uh, we skipped a week while this happened. But Sergio Aguero, uh, it was announced, I think, about two weeks ago that he would be retiring from football. And I know he was playing for Barcelona. Technically, he'd already moved on from Manchester City. But it doesn't sit right with me that we haven't mentioned uh, that at all. Like, obviously, the circumstances are not ideal. They discovered a, a heart uh, palpitation or heart murmur, something, yeah, something to do with his heart. Yeah, a heart murmur. That's uh, you know, just to be safe, he's decided to uh, retire. He's an absolute legend of the Premier League. He's vexed our own clubs for years, 
I know he scored plenty against you guys. I can at least count on two thirteen or fourteen goals. Yeah, at least Chelsea. thirteen or fourteen goals against Arsenal. So he scored the uncontested biggest goal in Premier League history. I, I'd actually I don't mind saying that at all. The uh, 2012 uh, winner against QPR that uh, sealed Manchester City's first Premier League title under Roberto Mancini right at the death and to stop Manchester United from from winning another one. What are your thoughts on Sergio Aguero, what he means to the Premier League? And if you're feeling really bold, where does he rank among like the very, very best strikers in the Premier League and its history? I, I would say he's probably a top five striker, possibly in the Premier League. Uh, probably I don't fifth. Think possibly, I think he's he's pretty. The, pro- well the problem is the problem. The, the problem is is he he never won. He only I think he never won Golden Boot ever. He won it once. Once okay. He won it once. And that yeah. but like for for the being the best striker in the league, he was playing on on such a team that created so many chances for him to have not won more Golden Boots. For me, it's it, that's what shows that you're you're far and away going to be the the, See, the best striker I, in the league. I don't like the tone you've taken on this already. This is meant to be a celebration. Well, it of, is a celebration uh, a of Sergio, and, but you know I think he's slightly overrated. Overrated a little. Trying bit. to defend Thierry Henry. I know where you're going, Javier, and I don't appreciate. No, it. Alan Shearer. There, there's a lot of you know. Yeah, I, I put him on about the same level as Wright. You know. Ian Wright, he's about Ian Wright's level. No, yeah. he's he's far beyond Ian Wright for no. sure. He scored the most goals of any non, you know, non English player in the Premier League. He scored the most goals for one club, breaking uh, Wayne Rooney's record. How many Premier Leagues does he have? I think five. All of the Premier Leagues uh, at Manchester City this past decade, he was a part of. Maybe the last one you can kind of. Yeah, I you mean know, that's why I said he's he's, he's he like you know involved. fourth fifth fifth best striker ever to play in the Premier League. No, okay, I'm I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take this over because uh, the the shade being thrown at Sergio Aguero is I, I can't have it. Specifically, when I'm asking you to say something nice about him after his retirement, he was an absolute menace. He was one of those players that brought a style of center forward to the Premier League that you know we've seen we've seen a good amount of since, but you know less tall of stature center forwards who are extremely skilled and extremely intelligent with their off the ball movement have become all the rage now. Like Jamie Vardy in the Premier League probably isn't a thing unless Sergio Aguero, you know, first kicked down the door. His finishing, obviously we we can talk about for days, the kinds of finishes he was capable of, you know, screamers from outside the box, you know, poachers, goals, dribbling through multiple people and like finishing in the tightest of windows through multiple defenders legs. He had a couple of Patrick performances in his career that like still stand out to me as some of the most insane goals that were part of a hat trick I've ever seen. One against Watford in 2018, I think it was, that uh, you guys should go look up. It was at Vic- Vicarage Road, and he just absolutely diced them. And he, I mean, I remember a hat trick he scored against us uh, when Sari was uh, manager in the six nil that they had at the Etihad. Where like just to top it off, he just decided fuck it and took a shot from like twenty yards and just ripped it top corner. And at that point, I, I couldn't even complain. I just had to let the city fans make fun of, like make fun of us because their man just did it to us again. So all I'm saying is that Sergio Aguero for sure top five Premier League center forward of all time. I would I would not uh, begrudge Manchester City fans one bit if they tried to claim he was the best. I think he's done that well that he can be in a conversation with players like Thierry Henry, Alan Shearer, 
you know, those types as the best goal scorers okay. in Premier yeah. League history. I mean, he can be in the, he can be in the, he can, he can shine their shoes. No, no, I, I, I mean, agree, None Alex. of those center that. forwards won the Champions League, so, you know, That's none true. of them are on Didier Drogba's level, but, you know, they're, they're pretty ah, good Ah, there themselves. we go. Here we go. There's the true <laughs> Chelsea, you know. There it is. All right, I just wanted to have a little discussion. No, no, no. But Sergio, like Sergio was a, was a menace. I was, I was glad to see him go, and and sad that he, he's out of football so early because I was going to enjoy seeing him at Barcelona. You know, I, I wanted to see a him. Good goal in yeah. El Clasico against Real Madrid, the only goal he scored for them. I, I wanted and, uh, to see, yeah, I wanted to see him play more, but yeah, real unfortunate. To the, but I'm sure he's going to be streaming lots of uh, Fortnite and video games for years to come. So I'm sure we'll, it won't be the end of Sergio Aguero. He's already transitioned to a streamer. So go go watch him on stream. All right, Alex. So you you said two nil Manchester City. I said two two. On Saturday we have a full slate of games. Two 10 a.m. games. First Leicester hosting Norwich. This should be a pretty easy Norwich win or Leicester win. I would think right. I mean, they had just came off a great result. As soon as I talked shit about them, Alex, I said, ah, this should be an easy win for Liverpool. I convinced you to both of us say it was going to be a trounce. And then Liverpool just had a really bad day at the office and Leicester. I, I don't know about that. I, I don't know how we're supposed to expect Wilfred Ndidi and Daniela Marte to turn into like Virgil van Dijk and Fabio Cannavaro. They were both just like amazing filling in at center back. So. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Predict that that's going to happen against Liverpool of all teams? No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I don't feel bad one bit for predicting a Liverpool blowout and then, you know, not being able to pull it off. For Leicester, I don't, I don't know. You would assume that would, this would lead to, you know, another win here against Norwich. But they're so uh, Jekyll and Hyde, as you like to say, that it's, uh, I, I can't really confidently make a... Uh, a prediction yeah, I wouldn't way. be surprised if Norwich go here and, and think that they could still get something from from the erratic Leicester form. Um, but I'll say two one Leicester. I still I still think they win, but their defense is still fragile. I think and Norwich have looked okay offensively at times. Not really. They're getting relegated. <laughs> <laughs> the other ten a.m. game is Watford Tottenham. That one's definitely much more interesting. That's probably the one I'll be watching. Watford Emmanuel Dennis keeps scoring. Um, but they got trounced 4-1 at home against West Ham. Um, and Tottenham, when we were praising them, I also did did say to be careful about the Southampton team, that they'd been playing well. And 1-1, not not the result that we were expecting from Southampton, or from uh, Tottenham, you know, that, but they stay unbeaten now, the longest unbeaten run for a Tottenham manager ever. And I kind of expect them to to beat Watford because they they always put a few past them. I've seen them win like four or five nil against them before. So it's at Watford, though. It is. I think it could be a fun game. I'm gonna say three two Tottenham. I think Harry Kane's back. He was he's 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 starting to buy into Antonio Conte's system. Son is very dangerous in it. Regulon. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say three two, Tottenham. I don't think Tottenham are going to be that good defensively with the players they have because they have like Eric Dyer, Davis, and um, Davinson Sanchez. and Davison Sanchez playing there. They don't even have Romero. Like I think like some of the better center backs that they had, like Romero's not even playing in the team. So to me, it's offensively, yeah, like Davis and Dyer are good on set pieces. You know, they give you a big presence in the air, and Sanchez is a quick center back. So I understand why they. He has all these different, basically, that are good at you know individual roles on the team. But yeah, I I don't think they're going to be that good defensively because those players are all actually not that great 
on their own. The one thing that stands out to me when I watch Watford is that they just make too many mistakes uh, defensively and when progressing the ball out. And those mistakes are something that Antonio Conte teams just feast off of. So that'll mean like two to three goals for Tottenham easily. Now, whether Watford can counteract that with two to three goals themselves, I don't know. But I think I'll just settle on a a 3-1 win for Tottenham, but a close 3-1. Watford will make a battle of it for sure. And then the last game on Saturday at 12.30 is Crystal Palace hosting West Ham. This should be a fun one. Crystal Palace have been good at home. West Ham have been trouncing teams like this under the, under the table. I think I'm going to trust West Ham here to, to continue doing that. I think they're good enough to, to deal with Crystal Palace right now, even if it is away from home, but Crystal Palace will put up a fight. I'm going to say 2-1 West Ham. This was the Conor Gallagher's breakout game uh, the earlier in the season where he scored the brace at uh, the London Stadium. He's uh, he's been sick. I don't think it's COVID, but he's had an illness for the last week or so. So if he if he's not playing, I'm right there with you with West Ham. But if he's in the Palace lineup and they've got you know that that dynamism in midfield that he he brings that not really any other player in, in their squad can. If, okay, if Gallagher's fit, I'll say two uh, one Crystal Palace. Ah, Alex is a little Crystal Palace pick in there. All right, all right, I like it. They did seem to have a very dynamic front line, even without Zaha. So, you know, they were able to get a 3-0 win against Norwich and all of their front line scored. Also, Edward looked good. They're going to have Zaha back for this game. So, yeah, I think it's I think it'll be a close one. Then Sunday at 9 a.m., we've got three games, four games. Brentford, Aston Villa. Brentford hosting Aston Villa. That should be a fun one. You know, good mid-table clash. I bet there'll be goals there. I got I don't <sighs> I don't know where, what to predict on that one. I kind of see that being a draw. I'll say 1-1 there. It was 1-1 at Villa Park earlier in the season, so it's not too bad of a shout. Then uh, the another 9 a.m. game, the Everton are hosting Brighton. That could be like nil-nil. That, that's going to be a snoozer. Definitely not watching that. Then there's an, another snoozer, Leeds-Burnley. Ugh, that could be another like nil-nil or 1-1 with like a couple of red cards. You know, just like a dirty game, Leeds, Burnley, like no one, no one wants to watch these games. Two teams that aren't uh, scared of a foul. <laughs> Honestly, the, the last 9 a.m. game, not that bad. Southampton hosting Newcastle and Newcastle. This is their final game. I don't actually they, they might be able to get. No, they probably can't get players on this day. They can sign them, but they won't get the paperwork to actually have players in by by this day. So. This is probably the last game that you say that like they're not going to be able to have had brought in players. They'll, I'm sure they'll bring in players this next week and we'll see a, a few of them debut in the next week. So They also just had their game, Newcastle did, they just had their game with Everton that was supposed to be played today, uh, Thursday. They had that postponed. So that might be, I mean, it is a COVID suspension and I do believe it was Newcastle who requested to have it postponed. So I, that may put this game under jeopardy as well. We're just not sure whether the the COVID issues will have you know subsided by then. Uh, so uh, they, they may just be able to keep going and wait until the next Premier League match week, to, uh, and they'll have a couple new signings available. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my judgment over Newcastle until you know we see what, what what they bring in here. But I think Southampton might be able to get a win before sneak a little win there. Put, put a gap between them and the relegation zone. This is probably a big game for them. They're going to be looking at this game and, and trying to win it. So they've rested 
you know, they play, started Shane Long and rested Armando Broja in, in, against Tottenham. I think he'll start in this game and he'll he'll be feasting on a on a Newcastle side there. Uh, the final game on Sunday, this is probably definitely the game of the weekend. Chelsea-Liverpool. What are you thinking, Alex? Salah blanked, missed a penalty. Chelsea also had a disappointing result. 1-1 against Brighton. You know, both teams coming off disappointing results. Honestly, disappointing form. Yeah, just like slightly disappointing form with, you know, Liverpool getting that 2-2 draw with Tottenham and then losing to Leicester and and Chelsea having three draws in their last four games. You know, the 1-1 draw with Everton, 0-0 with Wolves and uh, now a 1-1 with Brighton. Just, you know, two teams that are sort of faltering right now when Manchester City have won 10 straight games. And sort now of. there's a eight-point gap between Chelsea and Manchester City and nine-point gap between Liverpool. And you know that if, if well, if Liverpool win their game at hand, it's only six points. And then if they win this game, you know, they could be they could be close. Liverpool, I'd say, you know, are probably still in it if they can win this game. But Chelsea are hanging on by a, a thread here because, you know, Manchester City are going to drop you know, maybe a couple of more games this season, but not very many. So the the furious pace that they set that you guys were initially setting and then have fallen off, it, it City just hasn't stopped. So we were thinking it was going to be a three-horse race, but now we're seeing that <laughs> when you have three squads that you can play and have a bunch of COVID cases and injuries and it doesn't matter whatsoever, your your team doesn't drop off. You know, you can. It's crazy that Pep Guardiola is still complaining. I, I, it's the same with Thomas Tuchel. I hate that these Klopp, they, these are the teams with the biggest squads in the league. Everyone's had COVID cases this season. Everyone's had injuries. Yeah, it sucks for everyone right now. But you guys have the absolute biggest resources at your disposal. They shouldn't be complaining. And 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 you know, Tuchel said. How can I be expected to be in a title race with all of these injuries? He shouldn't, and, and, and he shouldn't be expected to be in a title race. And so he, but I mean, I think that saying something like that probably is going to deject slightly from your players in the league. Like they're going to think, okay, maybe we go for the Champions League again or, or an FA Cup or like, you know, but they know they're not going to win the league now. And that was supposed to be the goal at the beginning of the season. The investment that's been made in the last couple of seasons, you know, winning the Champions League, still spending, going out and spending $100 million on Lukaku. You wanted to win the league. You're not going to do that. Not having him for yeah. for two months of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, that's just one part of it. I, I mean, I don't want to turn this into the woe is me as a Chelsea fan because, you know, 2021 overall has been a pretty good year uh, as, a, as a fan. It, it just seems like in order to compete was uh, with you guys City do really suck in December. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you we do. do. The December thank curse. God thank God, there's a World Cup right? next December year. December so curse. In December. I'm, I'm guessing I've made that joke before. You're going to win pod, the league next year because there's no December. But it feels like in order to truly compete for the league title with Manchester City, you need luck to be on your side, and you need that luck to be in the form of preventing injuries to key players. You know, Liverpool last year, Van Dijk goes down, bye-bye title. Yeah, they hung hung on for a little bit there up until around this time, December, maybe early January. And around the time they beat Crystal Palace, like 7 or 8 nil or whatever it was, the wheels came off after that, and no one could really put a finger on why that was. It just happened. Chelsea, I, I hear what you're saying. Everyone has COVID problems. Everyone has injuries. It's a, a packed schedule and all that jazz. But focusing in on the three main title contenders, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, 
yeah, they've all had their injury concerns on and off. But I, I don't think that either of those two teams, Manchester City or Liverpool, I don't think either of their cases can be compared to Chelsea's at all. But Rhys James went down against uh, Brighton the other day, and I haven't gotten any, there's no updates yet on how long he'll be out for. Yeah, but like but nobody, nobody... No, him leaving the stadium on crutches is certainly You've had a, a ton of injuries. Uh, you've, you've had four or five COVID cases at most. Everything else has been nope. injuries. We had way more. We had way more COVID cases than that. It's actually it's actually hard to keep track of. I can't even keep track of it because it's it changed week to week. The, the the thing that's really fucked us up is for injuries and COVID. When COVID eventually uh, came in, is that we've had injuries to multiple players in one specific position. So for early December, it was our midfield. We were playing a Jorginho, Ruben Loftus Cheek midfield. You know, not the worst thing, but playing them uh, three games a week was just never gonna, never gonna last. Uh, then, right before the Everton game, we had COVID hit and rule out Lukaku, Havertz, Werner, Hudson Odoi, and you know, we still had a team that I thought was good enough to beat Everton. Didn't do it. I don't think there's anything crazy about Tuchel saying, "How am I supposed to be expected to win the title?" Like, I agree with him. He shouldn't be expected to win the title with, with all this shit happening. Now, if he says, how am I expected to get top four? Then I then I start to say, okay, now you're complaining a bit too much. You still have one of the best squads. You should be able to, you know, throw something together, bring up some players from the youth team like he did for the Carabao Cup and got a result successfully. Make it work. That's your job. But if the, the expectation is like winning the title with half the team and half the key players out, then that, that's unrealistic. You wouldn't expect Liverpool to win the title without Van Dijk, Salah, Mane, Henderson. You wouldn't. You just wouldn't expect that. You'd be like, oh, okay, well, if Liverpool... like, I think that's what we said about Liverpool last year. If they could get top four, then that's a good job. I, I'm not saying that for Chelsea now, because I still think we'll make top four comfortably. But expecting Chelsea to challenge for the title at this point, you know... It's kind of I, I don't I don't even necessarily agree with you that Liverpool have a chance because, like you said, even if they win this game here against Chelsea, they still have a whole month to go with Salah, Mane, Keita, all expected to be gone for the African Cup of Nations. So they're not keeping up with City during that point. City only have Riyad Mahrez probably leaving, so, and they can they can make up for that easily. But sort of refocusing to this Chelsea Liverpool game. It's an absolute must win for both both of them if either team does still think they have a chance of winning the title because a draw here is, is City's best friend. Slowing down these two teams further that have already dropped points during the Christmas period, it's only going to help Manchester City's uh, uh, case for winning, for winning another league title. So I, I think it's doomed to be a draw. Maybe even Liverpool win because like, I was just injuries I could see this picked being, up in the last week. Being like a nil-nil draw. James. Or we're a Liverpool win, Silva. Yeah. We're not going to have Andreas Christensen. Chilwell, of course, is out. It's not looking great, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think on, Liverpool I'll are going to win hope. too. And I, I think I think it'll be like a one-one draw. That Chelsea fans, we won't at, outwardly express that we're happy with it because we always want to win at home. But based off how Brighton were able to cut through us uh, the other day and. You know how hobbled our midfield players are now, having to come back like too early from a lot of their injuries. Kovacic, he looks good in spurts, but he looks absolutely shattered already, like 30 to 40 minutes into games. And Golo Kante is, you know, playing injured still. 
with a knee injury that kept him out for a month. And he still looks like better than most other players on the team. But, you know, it's it's still a lot to to deal with, even for a world-class player like him. And that's just to keep everything everything from completely exploding like it did uh, last winter when Lampard was manager. So we'll take the 1-1 for now. I, I, I would I would not mind it. Sort of tread water here for a bit because right after this, well, two weeks after this, the next Premier League fixture Chelsea will play will be at Manchester City. So I'm, I'm going to say 2-1 Liverpool. I think Salah scores maybe like Henderson or Van Dyke. And uh, Chelsea are going to be missing a lot of their set piece presence, like you said, a lot of a lot of pieces missing. And you guys haven't been great at home, to be honest. Chelsea haven't been the best at home this season. So I, I Liverpool, they they had their slip up these last couple of games. I expect them to to be on tip top shape for this game and to be completely up for it. So uh, yeah, I'm going to say two one Liverpool. So because of that red card, uh, Andy Robertson is still going to be uh, out. It was a three game suspension that he got so he'll be out for this Chelsea game Tiago Alcantara is also a doubt 50% it looks like a chance of playing everyone else it looks like is is fine I mean unless unless you think Minamino and Origi are gonna gonna start which I don't so yeah I I don't disagree with that prediction that you know they could win 2-1 I still give our defense enough credit you know Chalaba Aspilicueta, uh, Rudiger. Alex, I think let this sink them... in for you, Alex. Do you remember Arsenal? Oh, uh, yeah, we don't have wing backs. I forgot. Fuck. I was about to say, let this sink in. You haven't kept a clean sheet in the last, I think it's like nine, seven, eight Premier League games. Uh, other than the Wolves one, you, you've, you've kept, I think you've kept one clean sheet in the last like eight games. And you went from being one of the best teams defensively in the league. I mean, you still are, but... You had a bunch of clean, like seven or eight clean sheets for Mendy. Mendy and Ramsdale now has more clean sheets than Mendy, which is crazy because we've conceded so many more goals than you. But that shows you that recently in the last two, three months, you guys just haven't been picking up clean sheets anymore. And there's been a lot more leaking in the defense. And that that happens when you don't have the the, the midfield that you need or... I mean, I, I would I would put that up to all of the shopping and changing that's been happening Week, week to week. The the main thing that was happening the end of last season was that Tuchel got settled into an ideal back five. Like for the biggest games, it was Reese James, Aspilicueta, either Silva or Christensen as the middle center. Yeah, now back, it's going to be Alonso and Aspilicueta as your as your wing backs. That's that's going to be rough. I I would guess Aspilicueta plays in the back three, and then we see Pulisic at right wing back again. Not not great. I agree, but uh, I I'll still say one one. I, I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to be out here trying to say we're keeping a clean sheet at home no, against Liverpool. No, honestly, if, I think if it's a draw, it'd be like two-two. I bet you guys score multiple goals. They score multiple goals, and it's going to be a fun game. So you guys, everyone, the whole everyone's going to be watching. Just, you guys have I the prime time we're, game. We're all so. too. We're, we're all too bollocksed at this point. <laughs> everyone's legs are gone. It's you know, right at the end of the Christmas period. I think there's like an FA Cup game coming up after this. Yeah, that, that leads for mistakes and goals, Alex. But anyway, one more game on the fixture list. Monday, 12.30 p.m., Manchester United hosting Wolves. Manchester United just came off a 3-1 win against Burnley where they were good in the first half. Looked like they created a bunch of chances. They involved Cristiano Ronaldo a lot on the ball. Ragnick was playing his 4-2-2-2 formation with... Let's just call it 4-4-2. Yeah, sure. With, uh, you know, Cavani and Ronaldo up front. 
he, he started Sancho and Greenwood on the wings, then they both looked looked good, you know, playing that the 10 slash winger role for them. And then, uh, you know, two hardworking bumbleheads in McTominay and, and Matic. But, you know, McTominay played played a fantastic game. We've seen him have games like that before, usually against shittier opposition. Generally, he makes the big errors in, in against better opposition when he has a lot more pressure on the ball. Burnley really just didn't have anyone to really press Manchester United that much, so they were able to play easily between the lines and play long balls into Cristiano Ronaldo easily to, to just get in 1v1 against a, a defender and then get a shot off on goal. So it was too easy for Manchester United in the first half. Burnley tightened it up in the second half, and you know it was a very boring game. I don't think we learned too much from Manchester United other than they're trying to fit in players that don't really fit into the system that Ranić wants, and I think he's going to need to make moves in January, move some players out, buy, bring some players in. They don't have enough players to energetically press. I think the best player for me so far in these last few games has been Cavani. He's given them a lot of energy, gives them a leadership player on the pitch who the other players can look for, and, and he leads by example. So, But I really have to call out a few players who these last few games for Manchester United, even though some of them have been wins and some of them have been like draws, like um, you know the 1-1 the draw with Newcastle or the 1-0 win with Norwich. In both of those games, Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo just like walked off the pitch. Gary Neville talked about this on on uh, you know uh, Monday Night Football. When you're the biggest players on the team and you have the responsibility, you're the captain. People are looking at you as the biggest players that everyone you know best player in the world, and you do stuff like don't clap the fans or you get upset, super upset. Which his body language on the pitch is always you know he's pouting unless the team was playing well. Like in this game, in this. At home, he was really pouting only to himself when he was missing chances, but for the most part, his body language is okay, but he you can tell he's not that happy right now in Manchester United, and it's creating problems. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was struggling with all the personalities in the dressing room. You know, Pogba, where has he been? He's been gone these last day. They'd be so much better if they had Paul Pogba instead of Nemanja Matic in, mad, in midfield. So Manchester United could absolutely ha- hit a much higher ceiling this season. I think they're going to have to make a, a few moves during the window. They're going to have to find uh, their groove. And they, they've come through the worst period probably of, of how bad their team's going to be for the season. I think they'll obviously improve from here and, and won't finish probably not in sixth place. But a lot to work on. And, and I don't think this system works right now. You know, and I think Wolves, they're a team that's second best defense in the league. You know, for me, they they could get like a nil nil draw here at Old Trafford. I think they'll go to frustrate. I was about to say, why are we talking? Yeah, they're they're going to go to frustrate. Up in the running order. Yeah, why are we talking? No, they're going to go to frustrate United. Nil 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 or one nil Manchester United. You know, if if there's a moment of brilliance, um, but. Yeah, I, I think there's problems right now in Manchester United, and, and it's going to take a few weeks or a few months to, to, to solve some of them, and even in the short term. So I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains for at least for a little while till they can fix some of these problems in the squad. So can't be playing Matic McTominay. And, uh, only, that only works against Burnley and Norwich. Like it's not, it, it didn't even work against Newcastle. So, so the, I mean, the midfield woes that we've talked about with Manchester United, they can be easily fixed this by this time next week. They can go out and sign someone in the next week or so or any time in January, and all of a sudden, Manchester United are shooing back into top four again. Or, or at least, I mean, for me right now, they're still very much in that discussion with Arsenal, Tottenham, and maybe even West Ham. 
but they're one player away this season, at least from everything being fine. Uh, I mean, maybe two, because, you know, like you said, Matic and McTominay in midfield and Fred is the other option. It's not ideal, uh, but I would expect something to be done about that, even though we've been expecting that for a couple of years now. Their fullbacks are also average, like Shaw and Wan-Bissaka have been very okay this season. Shaw and Spurts has been good. Wambasaka's really having a, a bad season. And then Maguire, I mean, Maguire was just atrocious, even again against Burnley today. He just he's not confident right now. He has no, you can just tell everything he does. He loses the ball way too easily. And, and then in the second half, like he, he made too many mistakes. Burnley should, could have easily gotten back into the game. They, it was, you know, it was 3-1 for a long time. And, and they had chances that Burnley just missed a bunch of chances, you know, shots off target that they didn't even test a hail. But a better team could have easily capitalized. So don't be surprised if there's no goals in this game. I could see a nil-nil, but I would bet the under because these are these are two teams that don't score very much at the moment. And I know Manchester United just scored three at home, but Wolves is a different prospect than uh, Manchester United, and I think that they they've they've Burnley. They, yeah, than Burnley, and they've they've shown they've earned respect defensively at least that even against the top teams, they're not going to give too many goals. I'm going to say nil-nil. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll uh, I'll settle on nil-nil as well. Uh, well, that should wrap things up. Happy New Year to everyone out there uh, listening to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Yeah, Happy, happy New, New Year, Year to, to you, Javier. Happy New Year, Alec. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Javier on Twitter at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMoss92. And you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod. If you're listening on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review the pod, we'd really appreciate it if you went ahead and did so now. New ratings and reviews help new listeners find the pod, and we'd love it if you guys helped us grow this. So, happy new year once again. Enjoy the games this weekend. And until next time, see ya.